With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everybody, Matthew Collar here. Before we get into the show, we're excited to share an exclusive trailer with you after the show. From Blue Wire Studios comes Golden Goal, Stories of Soccer Legends. Each Monday, two new episodes will take a look at some of soccer's biggest stars and the biggest moments that define their careers, all narrated by Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's Always Cheating Podcast. From Messi to Rapino and many, many more, each episode will focus on historical plays and the personalities that made the sport great. So stay tuned after the episode and check out Golden Goal Stories of Soccer Legends wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider, and I am glad to welcome, for the first time on the new show, had him on many times on the previous show, Charles McDonald. What is going on, Charles? Nothing much. Uh, just, you know, quarantine activities, which is a lot of video games and eating and trying to sneak in work when I when I can. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we first started having you on the show back in the day, I think you were contributing to Football Outsiders, possibly, and then it was SB Nation, and now it is the New York Daily News, and you're, like, legit now. You're not just the internet. You're, like, print. I'm very yeah. proud of you, Charles. Thank you. It's been a it's been a lot of fun, and I'm excited that coronavirus is ruining my what would be <laughs> my first full season, uh, like being in person and covering the team. Because I I got to Daily News last year. Uh, my first my first game actually was the uh, Vikings Giants game last year. So I haven't had a full season on the beat, and it looks like that's going to have to continue to 2022. Well, we'll see. 2021. We'll see. I mean, if any league is just going to push forward no matter what happens, if there was a league that could put right under their their letters, if he dies, he dies, it would be the NFL. So Yeah, I, I was just saying, like, I, I, they're, they're, they have been waiting for any excuse to pull back media access, and now, oh, 
it's not safe for you to come. To, it's not safe for you guys to come to media availability, but it's safe enough for them to play. Um, uh yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I. <laughs> uh, we, we had the same thought um, here with the local media of like, well, the, the NFL has always wanted to kind of focus on their NFL media and tell the stories the way they want to tell them, and not have you report who is at practice one of my favorites is when they put things like you can't tweet who was playing at practice (laughs) like so what should I report on exactly from practice even though there will be fans up in the stands taking videos and sending them out on Twitter and things like that so the Vikings actually do a tremendous job I think of balancing that and giving us access and stuff but it is a fight for reporters all around the league and that just got more interesting as uh, we'll be doing a lot of our interviews this way, the way you and I are over a Zoom call with players this year. But I would be happy just to be covering football the way that things are going so far. Oh, so, yeah, for sure. So you're there covering the New York Jets, New York Giants. And uh, one of the things that I think is funny is anytime I do an interview with another radio station, and if it'll be like an out-of-market station, they'll ask me, what do you think of Kirk Cousins? And it's a very long and complicated answer. Like, well, you're going to give me about – 50 to 60 seconds to tell you what I think of Kirk Cousins here on your radio show. It's kind of a tough task. Has everyone been asking you for everyone that you've done? What do you think of Daniel Jones? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I think I've, I've, so I've been on uh, Mina Kimes show twice since I got hired there. And both times we had a long discussion about what do you think of Daniel Jones? And like, I've written about Daniel Jones and every time I go on like other radio shows, what do you think of Daniel Jones? It's like, I, not he's not that interesting. Not not to hate on him or anything, but uh, you know, there there are better topics to to be asked about. But yes, I have uh, had a lot of experience talking about Daniel Jones in the past year. So I think that actually Kirk Cousins is interesting because he always gets his teams just so far and puts up amazing stats. But then the people who watch him play are always like, I don't know, you know, right? <laughs> uh, and then there's this whole Monday night football game thing and can he lead people and he's got this bizarre personality. So there's a lot of meat on the bone with Kirk Cousins. And from what we saw of Daniel Jones last year, aside from one great game against Tampa Bay, a lot of meh, but I've got some different ways to talk about this. So you don't have to just tell me, well, he makes a lot of mistakes, but for some talent there, um, I, I pulled up the touchdown pass leaders from 2000 to 2010, and I'm going to go through them. And I want you to tell me, or I want you to stop when one of the quarterbacks sounds like it might be what Daniel Jones is in the NFL. Okay. okay. So I'm just going to go down the list and then you say stop and we'll compare them to Daniel Jones. All right, so Peyton Manning is number one, Brett Favre, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, Donovan McNabb, Matt Hasselbeck, surprisingly, Kurt Warner, Eli Manning, Carson Palmer. <laughs> can we can we stop at Eli? We Okay, let's stop at Eli. I mean, it's the natural comparison, but is he anywhere close to as good as Eli for, for raw talent? I don't know if he's, like, as raw player you know, has as much raw talent as Eli, but they kind of play similar where, you know, we're going to take these chances down the field and for better or for worse. And I think for, for DJ last year, uh, like, like you said, outside the Tampa game and then the game against uh, Washington to close the season, you know, a lot of it was DJ don't be throwing that pass. And I, uh, I, <laughs> you know, he, he's, he's, he's aggressive like Eli. Like if you look at pro football reference and look at his, 
intended air yards. Like he's up there, I think in the top 12 of the league last year. Like he had no qualms about throwing it down the field, but I don't think that that's his biggest strength. And I think you could say the same thing about like late career Eli. It's like Eli, you're taking a lot of chances for maybe a, a physical profile that you don't have anymore. And uh, that's kind of where I am with, with DJ. And also they, they look exactly the same, like when they're in the moment. <laughs> and it, like, it was uncanny, the picture that, that I think they took from like the first week of training camp last year where DJ standing behind Eli and they both like look the same in their face masks and they both stand the same and like they're the same build. It's, it's, it's kind of eerie, like, like how much they look, they look alike. But I will say that, you know, early career Eli, I think was more physically gifted as a passer than, than Jones is. And mid career Eli is legitimately very, very good. Uh, there was something yeah. that was interesting um, that PFF did where they looked at quarterbacks and how they perform when they threw 40 passes or more in a game. So when it was kind of all on their shoulders or when they were trying to come from behind. And it wasn't surprising to me that Eli Manning's numbers were actually really good. Because yeah. at, the, at one point in his career, he could drop dimes, and his risk-taking was really good, and he would have a lot of big-time throws and had weapons to do that too as well. Late career Eli just does not have anything left. And if your comparison for your starting quarterback who's in his second year is late career Eli – not great. I'm gonna run through a few. <laughs> I'm gonna run through a few more, and, and I want you to see if there's anybody else that sticks out to you. So uh, Carson Palmer, Jeff Garcia, Dante Culpepper, Kerry Collins, Ben Roethlisberger, Trent Green, John Kitna. John Kitna? No. I don't. I don't remember. I don't really remember too much about Kitna. That's like, okay. Except, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, Philip Rivers, Steve McNair, Aaron Brooks. Uh, no, he's nothing like Steve no. McNair. Mark Bulger, Jake That's DeLome. That's interesting. Yeah. Jake DeLome, I, I could buy that because I, I, I don't know if this is just me. Like, I lived in Charlotte at the time when DeLome was the starting quarterback for the Panthers. I always thought he was, like, a little underrated. Like, he wasn't good, and um, he certainly has bad moments. Like, the, the playoff game against the Cardinals, the year the Cardinals went to the Super Bowl, I think. Uh, he had like five interceptions, and I think that was the last time he started a game for the Panthers. But, you know, his high points were about good enough, and we saw that if if you put Steve Smith and uh, Musa Muhammad around him in a pretty good running game, he can he can deliver something. That, maybe that's where, where Jones is too. Like, he's not going to be someone that elevates the entire team, but if you put enough pieces around him, maybe he can go on a run one year. I, when I think of Jake DeLome, and uh, forgive me for this because it's ultimate like NFL cliche, but like gritty, definitely gritty, like, you know, kind of like uh, really enjoying himself out there, really into the game, really competitive. Uh, I don't know if I see that with uh, Daniel Jones's personality, but I do see Daniel Jones as a guy. And, and maybe the their comparison would be someone like Andy Dalton, where he could win some games if he's got a really good team around him. And one year, He's going to be great. I don't know when it's going to be. Out of these four years, he'll just go crazy one year because all of those risks that he takes will work out just for one season. And he'll put together a really good year, and they'll sign him to a $400 million contract, and then it will be a mess going forward. It seems like there's a a pretty good potential chance that they do it. I think he's actually going to be kind of fun to follow along because of how much – they stuck up for that draft pick. Like the draft pick didn't make a ton of sense. They overdrafted the hell out of him. And so now you just kind of got to live with that and you really got to push it. 
it reminds me in, in a way of really a lot of the other quarterbacks in that draft outside of, of course, Lamar Jackson, where, you know, Bills fans are desperate to believe that Josh Allen is good. Just like, please, please be good because if he's not, he's the guy that we had and we traded out of the Mahomes pick, you know, that we decided to get. Or he's the guy that we picked over Lamar Jackson who becomes an MVP. I feel like there's a lot of that in that draft with Baker, with Darnold, and with Josh Allen. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And and the thing with, with I think, fans of all teams with rookie quarterbacks is, like, when you have a rookie quarterback – Whatever came before that was not fun to experience. And, you know, the Giants went through that with Eli, like you said. The Browns certainly went through that with whatever came before Baker Mayfield, the Ravens with Lamar Jackson, the Bills with their history basically since Jim Kelly. Uh, It's not fun to get to a point where you have to go get another rookie quarterback. So, like, the fact that anyone could put anything out negative about that guy, whether he's been playing well or he's been playing bad, it's hard to – Think about you're gonna have to, you're about to sit through another rebuild, another missed quarterback pick, another new staff, like four more years of complete crap, which I think is why people get so defensive about these quarterbacks. And you know, Gettleman was like weirdly, Gettleman was like you know talking the big game after the Tampa Bay game, and then they get to the off season and Joe Judge is hired, and they're doing like this weird thing where Judge refused to say that any player was a starting, including Saquon Barkley, which was, you know, kind of funny. Like someone asked him at the combine. Uh, so, you know, if there's no depth chart, like would Saquon Barkley be a starter? And like, he kind of had this look on his face like, ah, you got me. You got me. Can't always play the tough guy. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to watch how the Giants have kind of played this Daniel Jones thing. And now they're back talking about him like he's the future of the team. So I don't know if it was just like a rift between Gettleman and, and, and Judge, but, you know, that's probably only interesting to a couple of people, including me, <laughs> like around, around the team on a consistent basis. <laughs> Pro- probably uh, smart, though, for Joe Judge to start using player names and declaring starters, because if you're going to try to pull this wannabe Belichick thing, I give you 18 months. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's the guarantee if you're going to play these silly games. Like I always think this with uh, Baker Mayfield, where Baker Mayfield says things in the media and you go, do you see any other quarterback doing that? Like the same thing for the Joe Judge. Oh, there's no depth chart. Do you see any other coach with this BS? Uh, any other coach where you think that this is going to fly? I mean, the players are going to laugh at you. Do you not realize who you're coaching? They're, they're not they're not a bunch of high school kids or something. You can't treat them like this. I, and, I'm sure that somebody pulled them aside and said, okay, please stop with this bit because everyone's making fun of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I think like his his thing was uh, once he started talking about guys' projective stars somewhat, it was like, oh, you know, I had a chance to talk to him in the virtual meetings. Like, really? That's what changed your mind? The virtual meetings? Like, you didn't even get a chance. Like, he hasn't got a chance to meet any of his players face-to-face yet, which is kind of interesting to think about as we – get ready for training camp. Like training camp is going to be the first time that these guys meet him. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll see if we make it through training camp and how the season goes, but you know, that's kind of an underrated storyline. Like all these guys who are first year head coaches, Stefanski in Cleveland have had no in-person contact with any of the players, which is, which might be something that affects them in the regular season. Right. Yeah. I would think it would be an advantage for the Vikings to still have Zimmer and Kubiak. You're running the same exact offense, trying to install a new offense in an off season like this. is going to be weird. Although I think that you'll have to give me your opinion that 
if there are just practices slash scrimmages instead of preseason games, it's actually more helpful for your team because, A, starters don't get hurt usually in practice, and they do get hurt a lot of times in preseason games, and, B, you're working on stuff you're actually going to use. That, I mean, these preseason games are just a massive waste of time, and I see some ex-players and things saying, oh, no preseason games, this is going to be rusty. I don't know. I think they would just benefit more from having the extra practice time. Yeah, the only like the only guys I <laughs> excuse me, the only guys I kind of feel bad for are, like the the roster fringe guys because you know maybe they maybe they just don't get a chance to really do much in practice and like those third or like the back half of the third preseason game and the fourth preseason game is kind of like their only chance to play. So I do feel a little bit bad for those guys, but I don't I don't know how much it impacts the. I got the only reason I think it could impact the regular season play is if we get to a point where it's like we're cutting down on the amount of days we could do training camp because because the because the thing that football it's like if you could draw up a sport to transmit coronavirus like it's football. <laughs> <laughs> you know? like I I was thinking I was thinking about like the the possibility that someone gets onto a field during the game like what if it was like Bobby Wagner and he had a false negative or something like how many people does Bobby Wagner come in contact with during a football game every single player on the offense his entire defensive team then you go back to the sidelines and talk with people it just seems like an absolute mess like if you get to a point where maybe you're cutting down on preseason practices because teams are getting sick that's the only real way I see it affecting you know regular season play and if that happens I'm sure there's going to be a mutiny with the coaches being like, oh, that's not fair. You know, this team got two more weeks of practice than we did because someone got sick. And so, you know, I'm just I'm just interested to see how we get through preseason and if we can get through preseason and training camp. Because I don't think they're going to end up playing any games. Uh, if we can get through, like, training camp, the, the quality of play should be okay. But obviously getting through training camp is a major question mark. Before we get back to the conversation, want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. Baseball is back, and SodaStick just launched its latest partnership with Hormel Foods and the Tommy Watkins Foundation to pay homage to the Hormel Row of Fame. It debuted in the Metrodome in 1992, and though it's been long retired, you have an opportunity to check out the latest t-shirt called the Wiener Winner. Great for lunch, great for dinner. You remember how the song goes. For every t-shirt sold, Hormel Foods will donate $10 up to $10,000 to Tommy Watkins Foundation's backpack program supporting Twin Cities youth. We're going to hook you up also with free shipping for your Wiener Winner shirt. Use promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's sodastick.com, S-O-T-A, S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. Right now. Yeah, it really feels like an, an impossible task, and I saw that I think it was Tom Pelissero of NFL Network who was talking about them using the trackers to see who the person came in contact with. And you're like, like you said, like a linebacker. I don't know, everybody? Uh, I mean, even, what, in the locker room, how do you manage, even if they cut down the total roster, that is a really tight space in the locker room, even for the Vikings who have a brand new facility, but for older teams. And how about they go on the road? I don't know if you've had a chance ever to be inside the Chicago Bears road locker room, but my gosh, I mean, I have no idea how they fit all those human beings in there to begin with. You're going to socially distance that somehow. I mean, it is an impossible task that I know 
it's, you know, I tried the whole off season to kind of be like, it's okay. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but as we get closer, I just can't figure out in my brain how this all works when MLS is canceling games and teams in basketball and baseball are shutting down facilities. The testing is not like you just look at somebody and be like, looks like he's got the COVID. I mean, it's, it, like you said, it can be imperfect. And if somebody is out there spreading it around, you could end up with a whole team. And, and what are you going to do? Make them have their practice squad play against the New York Giants? I mean, it just it, it doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. But I'm hopeful. I'm going to stay hopeful. And so yeah. we're going to talk about the NFC East real quick here. And then I've got some four quick kind of quick hit fun questions for you. All right. I, I, I want you out of 16 teams in the NFC. I want you to tell me where you would rank all the NFC East teams right now. Oh, man. Uh, I, first of all, let me just get, I'm a huge fan of Dallas's offense. Like, I think that, first, I think that they're in a good spot to have a great season because they, uh, you know, they really did underachieve last year. Uh they had one of the best offenses in the league, like by yards per play. They were by far the best team in the league. They were 6.5. And I think the Chiefs and Ravens tied uh, for second place with 6.2. So, you know, a 0.3 difference doesn't seem like a lot. But when you start, like, actually adding up the amount of plays, the amount of yards, like, it's a it's a pretty big leap. And the reason they lost so many games was just, you know, silly decision-making. Like, at the game against the Vikings last year, I thought that Dallas probably should have won that game. Uh, and they just kind of had brain farts at the end, and their special teams were so bad that they ended up losing games. But you know, if you just go by uh, pro football reference or football outsiders' expected wins, they were supposed to be like an 11-win team last year based on their offensive and defense performance, but they, you know, just kind of got unlucky and finished 8-8. Eight and eight. So I think that that's a better team than they were last year, and they got CeeDee Lamb and added him to the offense. So... I think Dallas is like a Super Bowl contender and one of the elite teams in the NFC. And I think that for me, like I, I would feel comfortable saying that this is a team that can definitely go on a title run because I feel like the NFC is kind of wide open this year because I don't know what to expect from Tampa Bay and Brady in that situation. Breeze, if he's playing like he did at the end of last year, like I don't think that that team is as scary as they usually are with New Orleans. And then, the 49ers, uh, you know, Jimmy G is good and Shanahan – or Jimmy G is all right, and, and Shanahan's one of the best offensive player callers in the league, but that's not an unbeatable offense. So I, I think that Dallas has a chance to win the NFC, the NFC as a whole, and I would I would put them, you know, maybe as one of the top teams. I don't know if that's, like, a little too high. I know people don't like the Cowboys. They don't like Dak Prescott, but this team, like, really kicks ass to me. Uh, Washington would be – last uh like that offense outside of terry mclaurin who's supposed to scare you uh their running backs are solid but i'm not really afraid of adrian peterson uh at this point in his career Darius guys like we think is good but he hasn't been able to stay on the field uh and you know outside of mclaurin their weapons are just not great i'm a fan of haskins but i just don't see how he puts it up in this situation and then the eagles like i think i would put them probably like five or six maybe, but I don't really know what to make of like all these guys coming back to receiver because, you know, they, they lost Jeffrey and Jackson to injury last year, assuming Deshaun Jackson's still on the team after uh, uh, his, his poor choice in uh, social media posts. Uh, 
That's being polite. That's being very yeah, polite. Yeah, being, being poor, very poor polite. <laughs> uh, and then uh, so you get Deshaun Jackson, Alshon Jeffrey, presumably back on the team. Uh, you're inserting Jalen Rigor, so like the three receivers, it sounds like a good plan, but there's a lot of unknowns because Jackson and Jeffrey are not, you know, in their athletic prime anymore, and Rieger's a rookie. So, you know, you have three unknowns that receivers that on paper sound like a good idea, uh, but you don't really know much about them. And that's kind of how it, it spread across the whole team outside of, like, Wentz. The offensive line is a question mark because they've lost Brandon Brooks' injury. And, and if last year was any example, Andre Dillard does not look like a, a starting tackle in this league. Uh, and the defense has just kind of reshuffled the whole thing as secondary. Like getting Darius Slay is good, but everything else is, is kind of a mixed bag. And then the Giants, I would probably put them, you know, a few steps above Washington because I do like some of their offensive pieces, but the uh, the defense has a lot of work to do. The Giants strike me as a very seven and nine type of type of team. Yeah. The the one where it might be kind of uh, you might bet the over just because would be Washington if your quarterback, Dwayne Haskins, takes a big step and he's just better. Even if the rest of the offense does not have a whole lot of impressive weapons, if he's a lot better and he at least has that number one receiver, they do have a lot of good players on their defensive line. And now they have a coach who seems like a real head coach, not just an offensive coordinator who was plugged in there and didn't know really how to connect with people or know anything about defense. Uh, Ron Rivera coaching it changes it a little bit. Um, I would change the win-loss depending on what name they decide to go with. Um, <laughs> if, if, they, if they pick a bad name, then I'll just take a win or two off. But I really do think that their, their defense, I saw them play against the Vikings at U.S. Bank Stadium last year, and I was like, Man, there are a lot of guys there who can get after the passer. I mean, they might have a really excellent defensive line when you add Chase Young to that mix. Yeah, Washington is interesting because <clears throat> when you look at, like, the – if you just look at the names of their defensive line, just start rattling them off, John Allen, Deron Payne, Matt Inadeus, I'm pretty sure I butchered the last name, uh, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, and now you add Chase Young. It's like all those guys we all know individually have talent, but it kind of feels like as a group they've never been able to put together. Like there's never really been any years where, you know, Washington's getting like 55 sacks and just have a dominating pass with it, even though, you know, it would seem like when you throw those group of guys together, they would be able to do that. But maybe Chase Young is the piece that takes them over the top. And, and like, it, that is, like, I'm, I'm, like, it sucks because I think the offense is going to be boring, but that defensive line is just going to be so overwhelming on pass downs because Chase Young can play anywhere on pass downs. And then you have a bunch of guys like, you know, the three guys in the interior, Payne, Inadeus, and uh, Allen, they can all rush from the three spots on the inside. So, there's a lot of possibilities, uh, and they're probably going to need them to create some turnovers if they're going to score the ball this year. But, you know, I, I said this on Mina Kime show, and Washington is kind of like a an experiment where you can look at, like, the, the, the draft evaluation debate that analytics Twitter was having before the draft where, you know, if you're set on bringing back Haskins for year two, then maybe you trade down from number two, get a King's ransom, and then, uh, upgrade your offense because you know I, I think Chase Young is obviously uh, a transcendent prospect and he'll probably be someone that's like a Pro Bowl talent immediately. But how many wins does that bring you versus upgrading your offense? And you know that's kind of an interesting little thing to track this year with Washington. 
Yeah, I go back and forth on the defensive line part of it too because I think about it schematically and now how you know teams have kind of found ways to mitigate deep, great defensive lines under a lot of circumstances. You run play action, you make everybody go that way, and you roll that way, and that's kind of like the mm-hmm. way that the Vikings kept Kirk Cousins from being sacked a bunch of times last year. But then again, there is the part where in big situations, it's third down and seven. You got to drop straight back. And if they got four guys who could all beat their man in two seconds or less, that really makes life pretty difficult on you. And I also think from watching the Vikings defensive line over the past few years, it can also cover up some secondary problems too if you can get after the passer a little faster. And uh, sometimes you'll have guys who have wildly good seasons who aren't that good at cornerback. I think part of that is just, you know, how well you pressured the quarterback overall. Someone like Chase Young is a freaking monster. I mean, it, it's not easy yeah, to yeah. somebody like that. Um, but yep. on the other side of the coin, there's like five or six free agent pass rushers right now, guys who don't even have teams who are good at rushing the passer. Like, all of a sudden, we just have this bevy of defensive linemen who can get after the quarterback like we've never had before. Yeah, that's funny. I actually, uh, earlier, man, I don't remember when it was, because like my you know, conception or understanding of time is just so messed up right now. But I think it was, <laughs> I think it was at the start of quarantine, or, yeah, yeah, about the start of quarantine. I actually talked to uh, my pal Bud Elliott, who worked for he worked with me at SB Nation and now he works for uh rivals like doing recruiting stuff for them and I talked to two scouts about like you know it, it's kind of crazy how ridiculous the the defensive line talent is right now and they say like it all kind of starts in high school uh where if you're like if you're a coach on a team and you get some kid who's you know 6'4 240 pounds and can run like a running back I'm not going to make that kid block. Like, I'm going to go put him on defense, and we're, we can get after the passer, or maybe I'll give him the ball on running back. And, like, you see more than more of these situations where these kids in the high school that are explosive athletes and big, they're getting put on defense. Or if you have, like, these explosive kids on offense, they're getting put at wide receiver. And now, like, you're starting to see that change in the NFL where there's so much wide receiver talent. There's so much defensive line talent. It's because, like, the game has changed so much on, like, a – on a big level in high school where you you put athletes in a space where they can create, and now we're seeing the NFL. And I thought that that kind of trickle-up pipeline was kind of cool, but that's a, a sidebar that just kind of triggered my memory from earlier. And also, high school coach, you know that if you have one defensive lineman who can run right through somebody, that you can win games just based on having some giant beast who – destroys everyone. Uh, I I did want to circle back on your point about the Eagles because they're an interesting one. I think Eagles fans are the most aggressive online of any, and I don't think it's close. Um, So if Eagles fans are hearing this, sorry, but it's true that uh, you just can't project this team as a legitimate Super Bowl contender at this point. Their quarterback is constantly getting hurt. There's no Nick Foles to fall back on now. Uh, Jalen Hurts is not going to be ready this year, nor is any rookie quarterback, I don't think, if uh, Wentz gets hurt. But the normally if a guard got hurt, we'd kind of go like, eh, eh, well, so whatever, find some other guy. But Brooks is different. I mean, this guy might be the best guard in the NFL out for the entire season. The old wide receivers, the point about you know not having a, an offseason to bring in Rager, and I'm not sure that like Doug Peterson's genius has lasted. 
And this is a thing that happens with offensive minds sometimes is where you kind of have to reinvent yourself after a couple of years because everybody did everything they could to study you when you were at the top. And I just don't feel like it's had the same pop as it had a couple of years ago. Maybe that's more talent than Doug Peterson. I just look at them as kind of another team, another team that could go eight and eight, nine and seven, seven, nine, based on how good their field goal kicker is. Yeah. I will say that last year, uh, once, once earned a lot of respect for me last year, like the way he played down the stretch, uh, because they lost everybody last year to injury. Uh, you know, by the end of the season, it was, it was funny. Me and my coworker, Pat Leonard, but we at, at the, both Eagles games, this is a little running back, Boston Scott for the Eagles. And both times they played the Giants, like he shredded them. Like I think like he must have had like between 15 and 20 catches between the two games. We started calling them the Giants Slayer. And I think, you know, the fact that, that Wentz can make someone like Boston Scott and Greg Wardy play quarterback at Houston, like, you know, they made the playoffs. Maybe, it, maybe they had a little more to do with Dallas completely blowing the, the back half of the season. But, uh, you know, I, I think when you have Wentz, that's a great starting point. Uh, he's become a, lot, a much better NFL player than I thought he was going to be. Uh, but, you know, like to your point, outside of that, like what's what's scaring you? The, the defense is in the NFL. Like they've kind of figured out that 12 personnel stuff. It, it, it certainly wasn't as deadly as it was last year with Ertz and Goddard. And now you're really kind of – even though the, you're bringing back two familiar names at receiver with Jackson and Jeffrey – you're kind of starting over there because you don't know what either of them are going to be coming off injuries in their thirties. And then Rieger is a first round rookie. And then last year you got nothing out of uh, that receiver from Stanford that they drafted. Uh, I can't remember his name right now, uh, but you know, you, you kind of had a lot of whiffs at receiver in the past year and we don't know if that's going to change. And uh, Wentz is good, but I don't know if, if, you know, he can sustain being Superman for a whole 16-game season. Hey, before we get back to the conversation, I want to remind you that sports are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. There's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your favorite team to come back. Bet Online has future odds on win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out our daily simulations of Madden NBA 2K to watch and wait. On. Visit betonline.ag, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Uh, and, I, and I agree with the Dillard point that it didn't work out for him last year. And, I mean, He was terrible. The best version of Carson Wentz, and this goes to when you play for a spread offense in college where they catch the ball and throw it real quick that your passing blocking numbers are usually pretty good. Um, but uh, you know, you're going from Jason Peters at left tackle to a guy we don't even know is an NFL player. You're going from Brandon Brooks to whatever. I mean, there's a massive drop-offs there. And even Kelsey, Lane Johnson, like Lane Johnson's been hurt a little bit. Kelsey's older by a couple of years. That offensive line was every bit as good as Dallas's was a few years ago. And maybe we should have compared it to old Dallas offensive lines. It was so good in 2017. And I always maintained that that was the reason they destroyed the Vikings, not because the Vikings were too emotional about the Minneapolis miracle. It's because they couldn't pressure Nick Foles. And and he completed a 60-yard pass where he held the ball for six seconds before letting it go. So, I mean, 
that offensive line was so dominant. Not having that, it's going to be hard for Wentz to repeat it. I could see him grinding them into the playoffs. Um, so, but that, they're yeah. kind of an interesting team to watch that that I wouldn't want to, if I were a gambler, put down a bet on an over/under because I feel like they could surprise you either way. Yeah, yeah, and I, I like to me, Philadelphia's biggest block to get to the playoffs is I just I really just am that high on Dallas like. Barring injury to to Dak Prescott, I don't see why this offense shouldn't be like top three in the league. And you know, like we're, we're talking about Mike McCarthy coming over, and that's a change. But so far, McCarthy said that he's going to keep Kellen Moore as a play caller. And Kellen Moore wasn't perfect last year, but to get that as in your first year as an offensive coordinator in the league, like. That's really, really impressive. And I I would like if I'm a Dallas fan, I'm hoping that we get a season because I would be so fired up about what they could do on offense. I mean, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and Skeety Lamb with that offensive line, which is, you know, maybe not as dominant as they were when Dak first got there, but it's still really good. Uh and then Ezekiel Elliott, like it's just so much firepower. And uh I, I think that they have been sidetracked the Super Bowl. Like my We'll pick is Chiefs Cowboys if we if we can get that far. Yeah, the way that I would pick how good someone's going to be now, if you just said you could only decide based on one thing, is like give me their top three receivers. I'll look at them and decide if I think they're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, even last year with uh, I mean, if we count you know Kelsey as a receiver, the Chiefs have amazing weapons: Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Kelsey, and then uh, San Francisco's got a, a, several guys who are really, really good. Emmanuel Sanders' trade was a big deal for them. They've got the best tight end in football. They have Debo Samuel, who's great after the catch. And if you just stack those up, you can have a pretty good idea of how mm-hmm. someone's going to succeed unless your quarterback is complete garbage. But in this case, obviously, Dak Prescott is not. So I, I want to close. This has been a fun conversation about the NFC East with just four kind of random questions for you, some pertaining to the NFC East and uh, some not entirely. But I want to start with this, Charles. Tell me which NFC East team has the best all-time roster. You get to use every player who's ever played for the, the four teams currently in the NFC East. Who's got the best roster? Oh, man. Uh, a, I'm trying to think. Uh, would it be Dallas? Because I can get – at my quarterback, I can go Aikman or Romo. Or Staubach. Or Staubach. If you're going back in the day. Uh, at receiver, we can do Michael Irvin. We can we can we can do at receiver. We can go three deep with the 88s and throw in To with Michael Irvin, Drew Pearson, Des Bryant, Terrell Owens. Uh, pretty strong wide the line. I mean, you can just pull off that 2014 group and throw in uh, who's it? Man, they had a big guard back in the day. I'm trying to remember the, his name. Larry Allen. Larry Allen. Like you throw Larry Allen in yep. uh, a guard with. Zach Martin, Travis Frederick, Tyron, Tyron Smith, and then pick the right tackle. Yeah. Eric, like, Eric think, Williams would be the back-in-the-day guy. I mean, yeah. person who yeah. grew up in, uh, watching the Buffalo Bills lose to the Dallas Cowboys in Super Bowls. <laughs> I remember their whole roster. And then on, even on defense, like, you could do Deion Sanders, Demarcus Ware. Like, I, they, it, there's Charles a reason Haley. why – Right, right. Uh, there's a reason why Dallas has been – not only one of the most popular teams in the NFL, one of the most popular teams in the world, it's 
you know, the litter with stars. And I think that if you were to put start putting together all NFC East all time teams, I think Dallas would have to go number one. But you know, it would be tempting to go Giants just for Lawrence Taylor. Like you gotta think about how good that is. And I don't know if they have the offensive peaks that Dallas does, but Lawrence Taylor was a lot of fun. If you go Eagles, you can have Reggie White, but you can also have Vic and Cunningham on the same team. And maybe you can just mm. use them in different ways. Cunningham can double as the punter if you want him to. Yeah, um, actually, I, I think I didn't think about the Eagles' like all-time defensive line would be Reggie White, Fletcher Cox, uh, Jerome Brown. Jerome Brown, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then I don't know who would be the other defensive end. I'm sure they've had somebody who's you know board of my Hall of Fame because that that's another team too. Maybe maybe it'd be fun to to like sit down and actually put it together. I mean. Got a lot of free time right now, so yeah, maybe I, I'll, right? I'll think about this. <laughs> this is uh, now, I'm, now I'm actually like intrigued by it. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is a this is definitely another podcast potentially to do every division that that's in week three that's not happening. Yes, exactly. Here on the Purple Insider Podcast, we uh, you know go through the AFC South and its all time <laughs> roster, and uh, Derek Carr or David Carr is our starting quarterback. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, ne- next question for you. Um, in honor of training camp potentially coming soon, I want to know the camp storyline that you think was the funniest that we've talked about in the last few years. Just whatever comes to mind first that it turned out to just be completely idiotic. So leading leading up to the season, we're like having some debate or we think this team or this guy or whatever, and then the season comes and it's just all blown to hell in like two seconds. Oh, uh, last year with Lamar Jackson when, you know, the, the whole summer, can this guy read and, you know, control an entire offense? Can he read a defense? Like, is this going to be sustainable? And he comes out, and I thought his preseason play was pretty good. Like, not stellar, but pretty good. Like, he had the moment against the Packers where he duped like a million guys and scored a touchdown. and. There's a debate on whether if that was good or not to do three guys and score a touchdown. Uh, I remember that. Uh, and then he just comes in first week, five touchdowns, and was like – I mean, we've talked about it. Like, just it's an unbelievable season last year. And there was so much concern over whether or not he could even be a starter, and he's the first unanimous MVP since Brady like a decade ago. So that's my favorite for sure. And you could have seen it coming. In fact, you and I did when yeah, we talked yeah. about it during that draft class. Uh, the, we, we've got the receipts, as the kids say, online. Um, because sure anybody who actually watched him in college saw him make plenty of really good throws. So, anyway, yeah. that, that yeah, aside. A, yeah, I mean, we, could, we could do a whole – I'm pretty sure we have done borderline whole podcast on that. It's, like, it's just stupid. Yes, it is. Uh, but it, it, it still it still hasn't entirely gone away. Will Cam Newton fit into the culture of the Patriots? Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. He does have yeah. lots of hats. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so next question for you is uh, I was reminded um, of a, uh, that Matt Patricia – I was reminded by a photo that Pro Football Talk posted that Matt Patricia coached last year while riding around on a four-wheeler at training camp because he hurt his leg. So he's riding around on a Detroit Lions four-wheeler. And I want to know, if we have camp this year, let's pretend there's no COVID, what would be the coolest way for you to cover camp? Let's say the team said, you know what, Charles, you can do anything you want during training camp. It's all yours. How would you cover camp? 
Oh man, if I could do if I had like all the access in the world that I wanted. Yes. Do it do it uh, whatever way you want, and if you want a vehicle to ride around in, you can have one. Oh, I <laughs> am getting well for, I'm gonna get like a little golf cart. I'm just gonna drive around and like if they'll let me, I'll stand in on the huddles and ask guys like you know, like let's say there's a big defensive mishap uh practice and being able to ask the guys right then and there what what happened and then you know maybe I'll drive over to the other field and ask you know uh uh I forgot oh Colt McCoy the Giants you know why do you pick six in practice like what happened on that play and just uh you know be a little bit annoying but hopefully get a lot of good stuff at the same time but definitely definitely with the golf cart wait Colt McCoy plays for the Giants he's the backup quarterback I didn't know that. That's another podcast is like, who's this guy play for now? Uh, that, that's, <laughs> that's, that's amazing. For, for me, I would want a setup for a bird's eye view that had a couple of fans blowing on me and maybe a canopy of some kind. And then all the ice cold diet Dr. Pepper I could drink. And I would just sit up there. I don't even care what mistakes they made. That won't matter to me, Charles. And by week one, the second quarter, all the stuff we talked about in camp doesn't matter. <laughs> so I'm just going to sit up there and sip my diet Dr. P and I am going to watch practice in an ice cold environment because you know what? It's hot as hell out there. That's yes, why. All right. <laughs> last one for you. Uh, a name change, no doubt coming for the uh, Washington football club, but I hope they keep their colors because I really like the burgundy and the gold or yellow, whatever they call it. Uh, I want you to give me your top three favorite team color schemes. Oh, okay. Uh, Ravens, like I love the purple, black, white, uh, and in the, the the gold that they have too, like on their color rush jerseys, they go all purple with gold numbers. Like I think that that's one of the best looks in the game. Uh, the 49ers with the red and gold, like I think that that's just classic. Can't really screw it up. And I like that they've gone to, you know, like they, they're, they're uniforms that they had when Frank Gore was like at his peak and Patrick Willis just got there. I thought those jerseys always kind of sucked. Like they were just doing a little bit too much with the numbers. And like when you have red and gold, just keep it classy, keep it simple. Uh, and I think that they've done a really good job with their jerseys. And I, my third one, that's this is tough. Uh, yeah, I think I'm gonna go with the Raiders. Just silver and black. Keep it simple. Like I like the I like the minimalist jerseys, which is kind of why the Falcons jersey is you know a, a, a touchy so- subject for me. Uh, like I like I, I, everyone was on the same page. The Falcons should just make those throwbacks their full time jerseys again. You know, red or you know really just black and silver, and then you know you got some red outlines. And you're golden. They, I think they did a little bit too much, but it's yeah, almost Ravens, like they had something good and blew it, which has never uh, happened. Uh, <laughs> I went the whole time. We've been talking for a long time, and I went this whole time without making a single twenty-eight free jump. I that's, look. You're better than most people because most people try to sneak that in like as soon as they can. I'm like, <laughs> how like how like how look how many years do I have to go through this? Like, is is it just going to be a thing? Like, I rep them too hard. It never now, goes away, man. I, I think that's going to be a. I I I mean, I grew up in Buffalo, as I mentioned, probably once a podcast, but it never goes away. I was four or five years old. First sports memory is Scott Norwood shanking one to the right. 
uh, in the Super Bowl to lose. And people will still be like, man, Buffalo, you guys know how to lose the Super Bowl. Like, what? A, I was four, man. I had nothing to do with this. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it just follows you. It's kind of like for Vikings fans. Gary Anderson, the one shining moment for the Atlanta Falcons franchise, is Gary Anderson at missing after he'd made all the kicks. And they still bring it up all the time. So I'm sorry, but you have to carry that burden for your entire life. It's fine. It's fine. I mean – Look, it's my fault for rooting for them in the first place and believing them because uh, <laughs> yeah. it's not like because it's not like the Super Bowl is the first time they had blown an epic lead or let me down. So I should have been I should have been better prepared for the blowback than uh, than I was. But now, like if the jokes are funny, like I'm in on it. Like I even talk to people with the Falcons and we crack up at some jokes. Like if, like if it's clever, I'm. I'm jokes. Well, uh, a twenty three twenty eight three lead. I mean, it is. That it's one of the worst ever, and then considering the situation, so the only thing you can do is really laugh at it. Well, I think you made you made some very good picks, and uh, the only one that I think would be controversial for me is I've always been an enjoyer of the Cincinnati Bengals uniform. I think it's great. Like I think the helmet is great. You, you could say it's cheesy, but how long has the team been around? I don't know. I kind of I just love the the black yeah. and orange. I, it looks like a tiger or a Bengal. I mean. I like their old. I like their old jerseys. I think the old jerseys are really good, really good. But uh, the the current ones aren't. Like they don't really do much for me. I, I I just forgot the Chargers. Like you can swap the the Raiders out for the Chargers, and that's my top three: Ravens, 49ers, Chargers. Powder blue, I assume you're going with. Yeah, of course. Even though all the all their new uniforms are slick, so I don't think you can go wrong with any any of their new choices that they have. I think that's a great pick. Well, um, this has gone. A lot longer than I promised you because it's just – you've got nothing going on. You're just sitting yeah. inside, you're just playing video <laughs> games, you're playing Grand Theft Auto. It doesn't matter. Um, so, anyway, you have the greatest Twitter handle of all time. I'll always say it, at 4Verts. I even wrote an article about the 4 Verticals play. So, we're on the same page there nice. with uh, at 4Verts. A, a must-follow on Twitter for all football fans. And, uh, again, just very happy that everything has worked out for you, and I – Hope to God we have football and you get your first training camp as a beat reporter for the New York Daily News. I cannot tell you how much fun it usually is to stand on the sideline and make fun of the players who are not making the team. So, <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, I just, I, I hope even if we can't be there, it would be nice just to have something new to watch on TV, even if it's only like you said, if it's two weeks before it all falls apart. <laughs> yeah, I know that's for sure. Well, it's it's strange times, but I'm glad we could get together and talk some ball. Charles McDonald, uh, thanks for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair, each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall, the teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars, and that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal, soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire.